Shalom, mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And <laughs> we're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, the full, complete body of Messiah. My guest is a man by the name of Leif Hetland. And Leif is known as the ambassador of love. I have heard, and you have too, of a water baptism. I have heard, and you have too, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. But how many have heard of the baptism of love? Before we get into this, because Leif said, that had a greater profound change in his life than even the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I believe that impartation, when you just listen to him speak, is going to jump off of him on you. Uh, uh, but so you get to know Leif a little bit. Uh, Leif, where were you born? I was born in Norway on the southwest coast. That's why I have an accent. And your parents were Pentecostal, but at age nine, uh, you had an amazing supernatural experience that you didn't even un comprehend at nine. What happened? Well, I, I was sitting underneath a tree, and I know it's hard for people that know me today to believe that I was pretty shy of nature. I was actually at that age still sucking my thumb. Other kids was playing, and we had a tree in our backyard. And as I was just sitting there, I, I, I don't know if I was half depressed, but at least it felt a little heavy. There was like a wind that came in, but it was not the regular wind that we have in the southwest coast of Norway, because it was just around where I was sitting around the tree. I just suddenly saw all the tree branches, the, the leaves and everything else, it started to swirl around. And in the next, all these small little lights started to glistening. And... The presence of God, I didn't know how to describe the presence of God, but it was just a major encounter, like, uh, I am here, I see you, I know you, I have found you underneath this tree, and there was something that took place in me that, as a nine-year-old, I didn't know how to process it, but it did something with me that I kind of put on the shelf, I didn't even tell anybody or talk about it. It was just such an overwhelming experience. Where did this wind come from? Where's all these lights? Where is this? I don't know if it was an audible voice, but the voice was clear enough that somebody is speaking to me that, that says that I see you and I know you and I've called you. Okay. Many years later, you're, I believe it was England, and speaking at a conference with Randy Clark and James Maloney, and James had, which he has quite often, because he's been a guest on our show, an open vision. And what did he see? Yeah, it was very unusual because uh, he, as a speaker in a conference that he called me to come forward, but he says, Leif, I want you to come forward. And it was like he had this panoramic vision where he suddenly, he took me to four different different places. And the first one, back to when I was nine years old. And he described my backyard. He described the tree. He described the wind and the light and the tree and how God was speaking to me. 
And at that moment, well, I, I cried just talking about it, because at that moment, I realized that the encounter that I had, that here all these years later, this is maybe five years ago, so I'm uh, close to 40, I'm 49 right now, so talking about I was 44 years old at the time. So all these years later, there's been kind of a, a puzzle, what actually happening? And I realized that, uh, that the creator of the universe actually knew my address, certainly showed up, angelic visitation, and that there was the hand of God, even at the age of nine, they came upon me and had an incredible impact. And then in a conference in front of everybody, he describes the detail of that, where I lived and, and how the tree looked like, what happened in the atmosphere, all those details. And I was back again as a nine-year-old, and I saw myself when he described it. And in the next moment, it was just like a jolt of electricity. I couldn't stand any longer, and I was undone. Well, and then going back to the chronological order of your life, at 12, you turned away from the Lord, you got into drugs. But at 17, you had another supernatural encounter with the Lord that really changed you. What happened? Well, when I was 17, uh, at that time period, it was more an encounter with Jesus. And that's what I've often told people, that the encounter with Jesus saved me, healed me, delivered me, set me free. And it, it was tremendous. I just fell in love with Jesus. Uh, I have known of Jesus all my life. I've been running from Jesus, but I had never encountered Jesus. But through this encounter of Jesus, uh, I actually was a little bit high uh, back in those days. But through this encounter with Jesus, something just shifted with me and shifted the course of my life where I knew this Jesus I have met, that Jesus. Now, now when you say encounter, that means different things to different people. Uh, take me back there. What happened to you? Well, yeah, it, it started actually with a journey that I walked on the street, and I still do not even know if it was an angel or a person, but I walked on the street of Haugesund, Norway, a small little town where I was living, and somebody came up to me and just started. Today I knew it would be a, a word of knowledge, meaning that Jesus was speaking something to him. This person could have been an angel. It could be a person. I do not know. But when I was finished talking to this person and he was sharing different things in my life and what I was looking for and longing for, it created, it started the creative. I mean, I just realized I need this Jesus. That's the real Jesus. I have not found him. I've known of him, know everything about him, but that's the Jesus that I've been looking for. And I saw it in somebody, if that was a, I've never seen the person since, if that was in a person or if it was an angel, I cannot describe it today. But the encounter that did had such an impact on my life that I knew that it, it, I need to say no to anything else, and I need to say yes to this Jesus. Tell me, in 2000, when you had what you call the baptism in the Father's love, tell me what happened. Tell me the circumstances. Yeah, the story leads up to because... Over all these years, now I am ministering, I'm traveling the world, I'm on the staff in a mega church. So just to give the background that I am living for God, but I, I didn't know how to live from God. Uh, I knew the Holy Spirit, I knew power, travel around doing crusades, I, I knew Jesus, but I, I did not know the Father. I didn't know Papa God as a good Papa. 
God was more distant, to be honest with you. He was more kind of a bipolar in nature to me. And it was always up to me to kind of please him. And if I did the right things, then he was pleasing. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, what was your relationship with your natural father? I, I think that it was it was good, but it was also distant. Being Norwegians, Norwegians, they do not express or often show and, and are able to express love and affection in a very good way. But my dad was a very good father. He provided, he took care of all those different needs. And I think that God also, to a certain degree, was a similar God that, I mean, you do these different things and he takes care of you. But I did not know, uh, before this encounter, I didn't even know it existed, uh, something called a baptism of love. So anyway, it, it, it led to, I was invited to go down to Florida, and uh, two gentlemen that is pretty much well-known here, one is Jack Taylor, Dr. Jack Taylor and Charles Karn. One is 84 and one is 81 years old today. But back then, they invited me to come down to a group of men, small group, in a holiday inn in Florida, right outside Melbourne. And my desperation level was pretty great at the time because I had been living with an orphan heart and an orphan spirit. And what I mean with that, I was constantly out on the field working for God, but I didn't have a home. I didn't have a place of security and love and value and purpose. I didn't have a place deep within me. I, I constantly, I, I call it, it was a black hole in my soul. I was looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. Uh, what, what, at that time, what was your home life like, well, your family? Again, of course, when I don't do enough, with uh, with God, then nobody else does enough. I think we function together uh, to the best that we can, and that is because, as I'm saying, I'm a performer. I was an achiever. I'm. If I do all these different things, then things is fine. Of course, when that's the way I view God, that's the way my wife. She has to do certain things. The kids. So, so there was definitely uh, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of areas, and I I had so many love deficiency. I, uh, I and and I was right, and everybody else was wrong, because I had power. I could show the anointing. I can come home with a video, and you can see the miracles, or you can come to the meetings, and you can see God showing up. And, and they had seen that. So even if people try to confront me on certain things. Uh, because my core values, I got power. That proves that somehow I'm right. So I think there was a, definitely a lot of dysfunction going on. And uh, uh, give, give me a, a few of the symptoms of someone that might be listening to us right now that has this, as you call it, orphan spirit. No, I, and I think it, it's manifested usually in two ways. One would definitely be religion, and the other one, rebellion. And what I mean for me in, now, it was religion. And that means that uh, it, it is constantly what I do for God. I value God, and I value my wife, I value my kids, and I value churches, I value everybody, what they're going to do for me. But I'm actually in the center, because I am looking for something in my life uh, that only Father God can fulfill. But since it is not there, then I expect everybody else. And when they don't live up to it, we often, because we live by fear as orphans, because when you don't have a home, and I'm not talking about having a nice house, because you can have a nice house, but you don't have a home, you don't have a place uh, where you're secure in the Father's presence, then as a result of that, it's it's awful to be around people working for me or anything else, because when I don't do enough, nobody else does enough. So when you feel that God is pretty critical at me, I'm pretty critical at people. And this was constantly going on. So practically speaking, it was manifested in, in, in every way. Uh, you maybe didn't see it when you were on the pulpit, 
but the core value system is what God is going to do for me, what people is going to do, but I'm in the center of everything. And that's where the orphan will, because the orphan is, is, is all about himself. How, how can someone, what you're describing is someone that uh, is very self-centered, even though it's cloaked in religion and maybe very prideful. Definitely. Definitely. And it was my life. Uh, looking back at it, sometimes it is it's very difficult even to want to see a movie on my own life. Uh, it was the best that I knew. And, and let me just say one thing is uh, I felt God clearly says you're not responsible for a revelation you did not have. Uh, so I realized that also that I just did not know. I was just not comfortable with intimacy. I was not comfortable with love. And as a result of that, there was constantly these, uh, I, I would call it just a black hole in my soul, and that's going to have to be filled somehow. So it could be filled with drugs, or, and a lot of people, it, 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 it just doesn't even compute in the brain. It could be filled with religion. What is the difference between um, uh, the, the, the religion uh, that is wrong and the religion that is right? And I think it is a very good question, because I think you're dealing with the same issue. It's just two branches. One of them is constantly having a core value, because all the good things I do, and that's their core value, and I think as a result of that, I have value. And the other one is just uh, pretty much giving up, because pain seeks pleasure. When people have all this pain, that's what it does. Then I'm looking for something to escape. And that religion, in a negative way, now you... You rebel. You, you're doing things, and if that's in the secret or whatever, but, but I think that a lot of the addiction issues, a lot of the issues that people have, shame, guilt, all of those different things, then eventually that pain is going to look for something to be able to meet some of those root issues. And, of course, today I met thousands of people. But, 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 but wait a second. Let's suppose someone has this orphan spirit, as you describe. They pour themselves in religion. Their motivation may not be the best. It's they get pleasure out of it. But they're sure doing a lot for God's kingdom. What's so wrong with that? Uh, I, what I say, there's nothing wrong. It's just something that is not right. So there's... A, <laughs> There is an element there that uh, what you're constantly doing for God, it's pretty much the best that what flesh can produce. The challenge in this is also for me is because uh, I operate in an anointing, uh, but still fear-based. It's rooted in fear. And as a result of that, you control. You can try to control people. You control circumstances because there is fear in your life. And, of course, we know that he has not given us a spirit of it. That's not God. But I lived in fear. Now, what was your fear over in religion? Well, in, in regard to religion, I want to make it, first of all, to sure that, that God is pleased with me and I do the right things. But I'm also fear what people are going to think about me. What if they know the real me? What if they know the real issue? Not the one I see on stage, but what if I open up and they saw nakedness? What if they saw transparency? What if they had a camera in my home and started to see that after the meeting is over, I'm coming home and that the same anointing that was suddenly in the meeting is not in my home. It is not the same anointing to love my wife or love my kids. Or The same anointing was not there in, in other areas of my life. Because in other words, you were performing. You're performing, and you're, you're a good achiever because you got your value. I, I, I got it. Okay, 
Now let me take you to the year 2000. You're at a small gathering. Jack Taylor is there. Uh, Dennis Jernigan, uh, the, the singer, is there. Tell me what happened. Yeah, we, uh, as I'm saying, at that time period, this hidden core pain was very deep in my life. And in the middle of the meeting, as I'm saying, there was less than 100 of us together. And then suddenly Dennis Jernigan said, Leif, I have this song for you. And I wish that everyone that listened will hear that song by Dennis Jernigan. It's called the Daddy Song. I didn't know anything about it. But Dennis, in a small setting, in a corner, in this little Holiday Inn room, he started to play the Daddy Song, the Father Song. And he started to sing a love song from Papa God over me. And I couldn't cry because I was hard. We are Norwegian. Uh, if you were to hug me in 1999, it would like hugging a tree stump because we're cold people, cold nature. But now this love touched. And before you know it, I laid on the floor. And even Jack Taylor says, I've never seen a man cry that much. But I laid... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are you telling me you never cried before? I, I could cry, but we're definitely not sure. But it was very seldom that you would see me cry. Did you ever cry like that before? No, 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 no. Definitely not. No, not... Not like that. And there was a couple of tears might come to your eyes once in a great, great while, but that's about it. That, that's the closest you will even find. Okay. Then that would maybe be if there was a funeral or something tragic that you, right. that you controlled it. You controlled every emotion because you don't show emotion. That's a weakness because then people can see who you are. So I laying on this floor, I ended up on the floor in the presence of God. And for the first time when I lay there, these waves started to flow. And it was like liquid, liquid love. And it just continued to flow as he sang. And it's like I'm laying there and it's almost like somebody having an x-ray that goes back into deep and hid core pain from childhood to the nine-year-old, to the 12-year-old, to the 15-year-old. I got clear pictures of me. And then the love just rinsed it away. The love just healed it. The love just, the, these waves that just went in there, went into those areas. You, you know, as you're sharing that right now, I'm feeling those waves come across the airwaves just by you rehearsing what happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it too, so that's probably <laughs> why I'm sitting here and just start crying again. But it's just hard for me to describe these experiences without taking me back to so I, I just lay there, but eventually that came to the root, and I know this is, uh, uh, the, but, but there was an audible voice. The only time in my life that I can say with 100% certainty, this is an audible voice. It was not, I've heard clear voices of God that I follow, but in that voice, it was so clear, and it says, Leif, you're my, and you're my beloved. You're my beloved son, not servant, not pastor, not the apostle, not businessman, not you're my beloved son. I love you. And when he said the last word, that's when everything broke. I'll tell you what, hold that thought. I want to find out what happened. But even more important than that, do you know today when life goes anywhere, the whole atmosphere changes? And life says what happened to him God wants you to experience. That's why we're pleased to make available uh, his two books. One is literally just off the press, The Baptism of Love and Transformed by Love. The Baptism of Love will 
is a how-to book, how to experience the baptism of love and then transform by love. That is how to walk into places and change the atmosphere for miracles to take place. The two books and three teaching CDs with a special prayer of impartation we call the God Kind of Love Pathway to Miracles for an investment of $39. Why do I say investment? Because we are reaching Jewish people with the gospel. We are doing things that I only dreamt about. Imagine, Life, do you know I'm on secular television in Israel on one of the top networks in the nation of Israel, seven nights a week, secular TV as a Jewish believer in Jesus? I would have never thought that would be possible. Let me tell you something new I just got on my uh, iPhone. This is so wonderful. Uh, we have a Russian web page uh, for unsaved Jewish people. Do you know that 89,000 downloaded from the web page my book in Russian of 10 Jewish people that turned to Jesus? 89,000 have downloaded that? I mean, everywhere I look, this must be God's time to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that's why I say for an investment of $39, I want to get to your right way. The two books and the three CDs. And when we come back, I've got to start right where life left off. Call our order only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Hello, Sid Roth back with Leif Hetland, And I know you're all listening because I want to listen to this myself. Uh, so, so Leif is a, uh, is a man that doesn't show any emotion. Uh, because that's the way he was raised, and that's the way men are supposed to be. And he might, at a funeral or something, have a couple of tears come to his eye, but he wasn't a, a crier or a weeper. Uh, but you were at this small gathering in 2000. Jack Taylor is there. The singer Dennis Jernigan is there. And Dennis sings a song over you. Uh, let's, let's hear a little bit of that. Dennis Jernigan uh, singing Daddy's song. I'll have no other For I love you only I'll never forsake you Or leave you
And what happened to your life when he sang that? I just broke down. I went down on the floor and I just, I just totally broke down. I wept. I snorted. I drooled. I did everything. I laid there and. Well, 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 weren't you concerned about what other people were thinking? You told me that that was what, what drove your whole life. <laughs> no, at that moment, nothing mattered. What mattered is that something was taking place with me. It was Daddy, Papa God singing a song over me. It was not like Dennis Jernigan singing. My experience, it is God himself singing the song over me. That's how it felt. And then, because it was these waves that started to hit me afterwards of just liquid, that's the best way I can describe it, liquid love. It was waves and waves, and they wouldn't stop. They just continue and they continue. And it is so hard to describe as they started to touch different parts of my life. It's almost to see a movie in my life of painful things, questions I would have towards God. Why would you let this happen? Different things that has happened. But love just moved in there, just erased it. And then You're it, saying this love was stronger than the hurts and fears that you had experienced throughout your whole life. It was so powerful, it would almost cut it out through spiritual surgery. Is that fair? It is definitely fair to say. I'm not saying that everything took place, but I would say there was such a transformation, not just in me, but it transformed everything about who I am. You wouldn't even recognize the way I am today compared to what I was that that day. So before and afterwards, it's just remarkable in regard to what kind of a person, because today, as I'm saying, uh, everybody calls me an ambassador of love. I'm known for the love. But, but, but how- uh, well, 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 let's go back to where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. You, you, you come back from that experience to your family. Did anyone notice a difference? I don't know if it was right away, because I think that to a certain degree, they, uh, when, when they're looking at me, I'm just talking about look-wise. Uh, they probably could start to say, are you going to stop? to cry now, Daddy, because they saw definitely. But I think that there was no doubt about, I remember I went for a walk with my wife. Uh, I, I started to repent of things because a lot of different things of the way that I, I mean, you can say my love deficiency had stopped me being able to see her the way that Papa God sees her, and I didn't know how to love well. So I started to repent. With kids, I started to repent. My son was probably the oldest at the time. So I just, uh, something had transformed, not just with my family, but it was the starting point was with my family. I just fell in love, fell in love again with my wife, and I didn't value her for what she was going to do. or I didn't value my kids. It didn't matter. I just started to see them from a totally different perspective. And, uh, and I was... I don't even I, help, help me out, life. Tell me. T- let's take your wife. What describe to me how the change in the way you perceived her from what she was to what you saw her as? Uh, give me some illustration. Yeah, I, I think the illustration would be is that before my wife is a wife and she is a mother and she's a homemaker i am paying the bills to take care of certain things and there's certain roles and duty that she does and when we all are doing our part it's okay but when we don't live up to it then there's leads to disappointments and often that uh, i was very upset and concerned that they didn't live up to the spirituality or whatever it was because i'm in the center of everything 
now in the next moment coming home, I do believe that part of the changes that definitely had started is that I, I no longer valued my wife, what she was going to do for me. I valued her for who she is. I valued, I saw that. Uh, who is she? Who is she? Answer that question. Yeah. First of all, as I'm saying, I realized, I didn't know it at the time, that God is my father-in-law, and he was the one who gave me that girl. That's a different story. But I do know that when I saw her, I saw her as a beautiful bride. This is my beloved wife. Uh, you know, I remember when uh, I got uh, married just before the, the, the ceremony, my father-in-law walked up to me, and I, I really didn't like this one bit. We were both non-believers—all of us were non-believers. And, and he said— uh, now, if you don't treat her right, I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> Is that what God the Father might do with you if you don't treat your wife right? <laughs> yeah, what I, what I, I think that it was no longer a fear-based, and I think that's what I realized up to this point. All I had been motivated was out of fear, and whatever you fear controls you. But now it was motivated out of love. Well, I don't value her for what she is going to do. She is not dear to make me happy and this and that. What can I do to add value to her? How can I help? So it started a totally transformation in her and in the kids. Did she actually say, I see a difference in you? It, it, she started to see it, but I think there's a shock treatment. When you live with somebody for so long and you're seeing, uh, is this just, another one of your anointing, you've been to a meeting and this is going to last for a little bit. Or So I think that I'm sure that because we went through a process, so I'm not saying that this was something that just happened. I know that it was a deep root that had changed in me, but now the process started and it started to live itself. All right. Give me an example, the most vivid, dramatic example you can of how your entire ministry has changed as a result of the baptism in love, uh, take me to a place and describe it. Well, one of the examples is just take you back to Pakistan. Before then, again, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, but I was going to a big meeting, what we call a healing festival, or uh, where I was going to do a meeting. Before then, People pretty much because I live by fear, and we call it the golden rule. I have the gold, so I rule. So people were lined up. They would be there at the airport. They would be, they would be standing in line to, to make sure to serve me, take care of me, to make sure the posters is right, this is right. Everything needed to be done right. Then when you're going also to the meeting, it was a similar setting. So it's a, I call it just the orphan wool. Now when I'm coming there, it's, how, how can I serve these people? Started to honor these people because honor is what love looks like. Now how can I add value to these amazing people that have made me look much better than I am? Uh, how, how can I? So it, it was no longer so much all the things that they needed to do for me so that I could be the star that make everything ready when I stood up. But also when I started to meet with some of my Muslim friends and leaders, I realized that I've been loving them with an agenda, that I, I used certain language in regard to, but again, it was so that I could do my agenda, my hook. But now there was no longer a hook in it. I, I just loved them. There was a genuine love. I don't need anything from them. I don't want anything from them. I just want to love them. And something started to change in the whole environment. So I have so many stories. Yeah, you, know, you know, the whole paradigm is of Christianity uh, that I, I learned as after I became a believer and was active in ministry, uh, is the opposite of love. It, it, it's like uh, I've even had people grab my Bible when I get off of a plane and say, let me carry it for you. And I'm thinking to myself, 
this is such a light thing. Why are you going to carry my Bible? But, I mean, they, they become your servant rather than you becoming their servant. Yeah, I remember very clearly also said about another, uh, said another meeting in the Philippines, 700 leaders, and they all saw me, well, they introduced you, Dr. Leif, Hetland, the Apostle, all these title stuff, and 15 minutes to introduce me, 700 leaders, and you could feel everybody is trying to figure out who is whom in this. And I have uh, one called Paul and Almira Yado, two Filipinos that uh, that is connected to me, and they were the one, they were kind of mistreated, I felt, not honored, so what I did is I went up and I washed their feet publicly in the front of 700 leaders, and I just kissed their feet. And when my tears touched their feet, 700 people just started to weep. Then a few weeks later, we went to Tanzania, and Jack Taylor was with me. And it was the same thing. We had all the bishops, the hierarchy, and who is whom. And it was my big event, so I was on the top of their hierarchy. But again, I just felt this love thing, and I just said, Father... What am I supposed to do? And the Holy Spirit says, find the poorest orphan. And there's about 15,000 people in the audience. And then you find the poorest widow. And I want you to bring him up. And I want you to wash their feet. And I washed the feet. And my spiritual father, Jack Taylor, washed their feet. And when we did that, there was a scream. And mass deliverance and healing started to take place in the whole crowd. That was in Moshi, Tanzania. So I could tell story after story of place after uh, place. You, you know, wait a second now. It's one thing to wash someone's feet. I have done that. Uh, many have. But that's not what I heard you say. You washed their feet and then you kissed their feet? How could you do that, Life? <laughs> Well, it's just what love does. And when you are in love, you do a lot of crazy things. So when people watch and see some of the things that I'm doing, including just what I did in Thailand this last week, it, it just kind of it changes the paradigm where because lovers do crazy things. And I, do, I, I did that. Now, now, by you operating in this love and changing atmospheres, this should affect people's families, people's neighborhoods, people's churches, people's ministries, people's jobs. This has to impact everything. Yeah, it's leading to major transformation, and that's the different things. Uh, because what my life is all about is touching lives and transforming cities and nations with love. You, you work with Muslims. How many Muslims have you led to the Lord since this transformation in you? Well, we have seen over a million of them experiencing and seeing a touch of Jesus and having an encounter with Jesus. So to different degrees, they know who Jesus is. Is there any way you would have impacted Muslims the way you have without this baptism of love? With all the charisma you had, all the gifting you had, even before the baptism of love, do you think you would have had that kind of impact? Absolutely not. Because again, when Perfect love touches the deepest root fear. That's how you change the environment. But it's a perfect love that casts out fear. So when love comes in and love becomes the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. And uh, so I have just seen over and over and over again, and I have so many amazing stories just of how God just would just got me to going in and started to serve some of the top Muslim leaders and just started to love them and teach me how to love them. Tell me one. Well, I give you one of the, I was watching on TV, and I can't mention his name because he is well-known worldwide, but one of the more cons radical conservative Muslims is on TV, and he still is uh, in all over the Middle East, and I just looked at him, and I, I was first irritated because 
at first there was the early prayer, and I'm in the city of Lahore, Pakistan, when I when, when this was going on, and then the next thing I turn on the TV to see if there was news, and it is this teaching and everything else, and the the sounds that is going on. I'm like, I, I would like to sleep. So it was, I first had a little negative feeling, and God just arrested me because I realized I had forgot to put my love glasses on. And uh, in the next moment, he said, I want you to see him the way that I see him. So, so what do you see him? Do you see a problem or do you see a promise? And I just started to get a little teary, and he said, I want you to go and meet this person. And, and I knew there's impossible for me to go and meet this person. I can't get to him. Make the story short. The Lord just says, what do you see? And, and first, what I described was the opposite of what God saw. I saw somebody that was producing fear, somebody that produced hatred and everything else. But God says, okay, but I want you to treat him based upon his destiny, not his history, because that's what love does. And at that moment, I said, I don't know how to do this. And he said, uh, I want you to give him a peace award. And that's exactly, we went and created and made a peace award. And eventually, through supernatural means, we ended up at his headquarters and met with all the imams and all the leadership. I have several key leaders from America with me watching this. But over an hour and 45 minutes at his headquarters, the whole environment changed. We touched, we walked hand in hand. He got the peace award, and he becomes such a man of peace. And I've just seen the peace all over, sharing with the other imam. They stood in line, and they put the head into my chest, something they don't do in the culture. And just pretty much what they were doing is just leaning the head like John, leaning his head into the bosom of Jesus, just to be able to feel and sense this love they experience. So sometimes that can be a covert revival. Underneath the radar, you leak love, and everybody's been looking and longing, but they don't know what it is. Now they're experiencing it, and they want more of it. So the environment changed from, from everybody, from an hour and 45 minutes, from an infidel coming in, and there's totally hostility. And... Less than two hours later, we are about to leave, and the environment has changed. And all of these people now, there's favor with God and favor with these people. And the very thing that God saw about them now was taking place, because I was able to see them with love glasses, not based upon their history, but their destiny. Not seeing a terrorist Saul, but to see the Apostle Paul. Tell me how radical Muslims, why radical Muslims call you the ambassador of love. How did that happen? No, and it's, that's what's an interesting story, because I had nev never even heard a language. What was the story? I was doing a healing school in Southampton, England, with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. And I asked Judith Franklin, who's Bill Johnson's personal assistant, could you pray for me? Because I felt that she had something for me, an impartation. So we went up in a room there in... in and, and she just laid hands on me and prayed. As she was praying, I had an encounter. The best thing I can describe it, I was no longer in that room in Southampton, England, at Central Hall. Instead, I was in a room in a park atmosphere where I walked in this beautiful pathway, and I can still see it. On the right side, there's a waterfall. There's a beautiful park. And I went and I sat in a park bench. And then somebody came walking towards me, sat down, and looked at me. I couldn't see the face but it was like a glory that was around the face. And he said, what do you want? What are you asking me? And I just didn't know exactly what to say. And finally, I, what came out of my mouth was, do I really love you? And I knew it was Jesus. Do I, I knew that he loved me, but do I really love you? And at that, that moment, as I said, he just smiled. 
patted me on my shoulder, and I'm sitting in, back in that room, totally soaked wet in tears. So from my Baptist background, being a Baptist pastor and trained well, I was thinking, that's a good sanctified imagination. And then in the next moment, Judith Franklin said, let me tell you what you saw and what you experienced. And she's describing some of these details. I'm like, how do you know? She said, I was there with you. And she said, and you will know in the next five years, wherever you go, people will call you the ambassador of love. And I'm like, I've never heard that word before. Uh, it doesn't even exist. I've never heard anybody using it. So I went actually to a peace conference in a city called Multan, Pakistan. And one of the clergy who didn't seem to be one of the imams, who was a key leader, very well connected, he just looked with his dark eyes towards me and he came towards me. And he looked and says, you are the ambassador of the love. And I was just blown. At that moment, I realized, wow, what God spoke and what God saw in heaven, suddenly now somebody else is able to see. I went to another headquarter. I went to a Shia Muslim headquarter and met with somebody. Same thing was taking place. I went to another place, five different places. And it doesn't even exist in their language. They started to describe something. And that started this whole ripple effect uh, that, before in all the years that I've been traveling, I've never heard anybody say that about me. But okay, we're out of time <laughs> right now. But when we come back, I want you to pray for people to receive the baptism of love. Uh, but let me ask those that are listening right now, Mishpocha family, how would you like to operate in the God kind of love, the love of Father God? How would you like to change the environment in your home? How would you like to change the atmosphere at work or at school? How would you like to change the atmosphere of your neighborhood, of your apartment house? How would you like to change the atmosphere and the future of your family? It all begins and ends with the love of Father God, the baptism of love. And that's why we put a package together called the God Kind of Love Pathway to Miracles. It includes the two books of Leif Hetland, brand new one, just off the press. You can't get it anywhere else. And three amazing CDs in which he prays for you to be baptized in love, all available for an investment of $39, and any profits we make will be poured into Jewish ministry. Catch God's heart. Catch God's favor. Be right back. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697. 1-800-447-2697. Sid Roth here with Leif Hetland. And uh, Leif, you told me before we went on the air uh, that about a half a year ago you had back surgery and shortly thereafter you had a visitation into heaven for three and a half hours that had a profound change in your life. Tell me what happened. Yeah, I just had a back surgery and uh, had been in bed for about six days. And this encounter was in and out for three, over three hours, where uh, first 
what was happening to my spirit. And I was not on any medication or anything else, but just I started to travel. And I do not do this with my Baptist background, but uh, this has happened now and then. But I certainly started to leave. It was almost until I could start to see the earth from a heavenly perspective. And very clearly, God says, just relax. I I want you to see what I see. And then I want you to think what I think. And then I want you to feel what I feel so that you can do what I do. And through this journey, I was just thinking about different places in the world. And in the next moment, it's like I was there and I could see things uh, into the future, into different places. Next moment, I, I thought even to test it a few times. I was just thinking. So I was thinking about certain people. And in the next moment, I was getting a phone call. I even thought what somebody I had not talked to, who's a well-recognized theologian, uh, and in the next moment I'm getting a phone call and says, I just felt I'm supposed to come over to see you. So I realized, wow, this is more to this than I understood. So for the next three and a half hours, I was just totally undone by God because I started to see something that is so beautiful and so significant in the way that God sees things. But he says, before you're going to be able to experience these things. So one was kind of a taking me into the future. But now in the next moment, he says, Leif, I want you to see you the way that I see you. And then I want you to start to think about you the way that I think about you. And for you to feel about you the way I feel about you. And for you to be able to say and talk about you the way that I talk about it. And that was for the next 28 days out of those three and a half hours that that was my journey with him. Every time I had this encounter, I started to think and I started to travel. I just say, Papa, I just want to see me the way you see So each day, each day you did a journey. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, afterwards, after this, for the next 28 days, I took these four things that he shared with me. And he said, what do you see about me? Because I personalize it, because that's what I've received very clear instruction. He says, before, he gave me first the encounter. And then he took me on a 28 days journey that each day while I was in recovery and I was laying there and started to do some of my rehab, started to move around. He says, I want, I started the day with just saying, God, what do you see? What do you see in me? What do you think about me? What do you feel about me? What do you say about me? And then I started to see, to be able to think and to be able to feel and started to say for 28 days. And it was a radical journey for me because some of it just uh, touched some areas of my life where I had to renew my mind based upon the experience that I had that lasted three hours. But it was 28 days in a journey. And I'm not saying I'm finished with this. This encounter, I think it's the rest of my life that is connected to it. But for the next 28 days, I think he started to tune me in towards uh, before you're going to be able to move further into this. I want you just to look in the mirror and see what I see. And then I want you to think about you the way that I think about you and feel. So every day I ask those questions to God. God, what do you see about me? God, what do you think about me? And I just started to notice those things, coming into agreement with God, renewed my mind. Any view that I had that was not God's view, any thoughts that I had that was not his thoughts, any emotion or feeling that was not his feeling, or any area there, I just repented. I changed the way that I was thinking and feeling. And then I started to speak, this is what you say about me. And even if that doesn't feel very comfortable, it is the truth, and I'm going to speak it. So it was a uh, 
it's hard to describe in a very few moments. Because Help me out. I want you to uh, speak uh, for about two minutes of the revelation of how God sees you and recognize then when Leith is saying this, that's how God sees you that are listening right now. Uh, in one moment, he just said, Leith, you are wonderful. And I'm just thinking about even this beautiful love letter from Father God that I went through in that season where he says, Leif, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know you when you sit down and when you rise up. And I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered because you, Leif, you are made in my image. In me, you live and move and you have your being because you are my offspring. <laughs> I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not the mistake, for all your days has been written in my book, and I determined the exact time of your birth and where you should live, because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day that you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me, but I'm not distant, life, and I'm not angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my son and I am your papa. And I offer you more than your earthly father ever could do, because I am your perfect father. And every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. And there were some of these things from the love letter that they will receive also during the impartation that just, I started to renew myself with that, those thoughts and these scripture verses. And it starts to flow. I started to say, wow, this is how you see me. And that was just scripture verses. And then later on, it was just revelation hearing the still small voice because he silent all the noise around me. So I could hear his still small voice. One moment he just says, Leif, I, I believe in you. And I just wept. I knew that I believed in God, but... At, at the moment, God says, I believe in you. How can you, God? I mean, I just got so overwhelmed. And another one, he says, Leif, you're wonderful. And there was times when some of the areas that he's been pointing out also was not pleasant. And I just went in and said, forgive me, Papa, that I'm not loving myself. And that was the biggest thing, to be honest with you, that, that still is wrecking with me right now is, he said, Leif, you have not loved you the way that I love you. You have loved me and you have loved the world, but you have not loved yourself the way that I love you. And I'm teaching you how to love you the way that I love you. And that in itself is the journey that I'm on right now. I'm learning to love myself the way my Father God loves me. And out of that, I know there's another tsunami wave of love that is going to flow into everybody else that is around me because there's a limit. So that's why he's just continued even at the moment when I'm talking to you, I just feel these waves that starts to come again of his love towards me. And when I start to love me that way, then I can start to love even my enemy. Isn't that what Jesus said, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself? That's exactly what he said. Yeah, but I think there was something in me that, that still locked me up to be able to love myself the way my father loves me. And to not, because... Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us valuable. He died on the cross because we are valuable. 
that there's something of value that Papa God saw in each one of us, that he have had us in his mind, he have had us in his heart, he saw us even before he created Ephesians 1 and etc. So I'm just saying that I think for me it was just, and I'm in a process of learning, practically speaking, how does that look like on a daily basis? And I think even we're going to see a transformation. That's part of that, that the love transformation that we're seeing now is that when people are starting to first of all see how Papa God loves us, and then we start to love ourselves, and then we're going to start to see even a whole new level flowing out of our life. All right, let me ask you, practically speaking, you all, you know, since you've been a believer, you've spoken, uh, since you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you've spoken and miracles have happened and people have been saved. uh, But now you operate in what's called an atmospheric anointing where the whole atmosphere changes. Tell me about the miracles that transpire now as opposed to what happened before. Well, the, the difference is that before we had visitations, and the best way I can describe that is that, like even in Bangkok, Thailand, where it was just last week, there would be a fresh encounter, where we saw healings and miracles, or in Papanga, Philippines, where we saw metal disappearing from people's body, and Evangelica was blown away, and people were dancing and shouting. And a year later, they would talk about, wow, that was awesome last time you were here. The difference now is that the whole environment has changed. When people are leaving that room... Yes, those miracles is happening and other miracles is happening, but something else has happened in those people. When they go back into the home or into city council or the mirror of Papanga, or when they're going in, something has changed in the environment. Something has changed in the home, changed in the marriages. The story comes from their businesses. Uh, some of the most wealthy business people in Asia is just coming in, including one of the wealthiest people in the Philippines, a very well-known, recognized leader. At the age of 73, he sat with tears in his eyes. He's the one that brought Benny Hinn. He was the one that brought everybody to Asia. But he sat there in front of me with tears in his eyes, and he said, why did I have to wait 73 years for this? Okay, you don't have to wait because I want to get his. That's why he wrote these two books, the brand-new book, Transformed by Love, and his book, Baptism of Love, a how-to and how to walk into this atmospheric change in your family, in, in, in your friends, in your schoolmates, in your business uh, associates, in every arena, in your neighborhoods. I mean, let's face it. We need this kind of love, making the entire package, including the three CDs available with the prayer of impartation for $39. The last two minutes, please, life, pray an impartation. Papa, Father, Dad, you are a good dad. I just thank you so much for the way that you overwhelm us with your love. I just release right now (laughs) just the very thing that you did for me in year 2000, the very thing that happened in Bangkok, Thailand last week, what happened to Ramon in the Philippines. Let it happen again, that these waves, these waves of this, of your liquid love, the waves of your love would just start right now and just starts to roll and starts to roll and roll. And that very voice, the very voice of Papa God, just start to speak that, and here's what he says, you are my, and you are my beloved. You are my beloved son, or you are my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Father, I just ask that the very waves and waves of love is going to release the pleasure of the Father 
towards your sons and daughters. And now for the next 24 hours, let these waves just increase. Let it just, well, take away any area in their life that is not comfortable with love. And even as you just whisper, just whisper, and just say, Papa, Daddy, when you say that, you're saying, I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter. I receive your love, Papa. I receive your perfect love. And I just released John 17, 26 over you, that that perfect love that the Father has towards the Son, that love is going to be in you, that perfect love that Jesus experienced from his Father, that love is going to be in you, and Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, Father, for the next 24 hours, do what you've done <laughs> so, so many times. Just continue. Wow. Overwhelm us. Overwhelm us with your love. And let it be a liquid love that touches the deepest root fear in our life. And I know you didn't pray this life, but I'm telling you, people are being physically healed. Whatever you need, a hip is being healed, ears are being opened, uh, anything, any pain you want, even metal is changing to bones. In Jesus' name, amen. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.